Hello and welcome to the June 15th, 2021 episode of the musical universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music and I share with you what has currently caught my interest. Old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or estate of any performer or composer dead and gone to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is Ashley Riley. Ashley has been a staple in the music scene of her hometown of Long Creek, Illinois, where she started hosting open mics in the Decatur, Illinois area around 2008 helping to revitalize and nurture the underground singer-songwriter scene in town. After starting as an acoustic-based songwriter on her first record, Riley realized by her second album that her songs begged for a band, and her subsequent albums got the full band treatment to glowing reviews. New Noise Magazine called her one of the best obscure female artists I've heard in well ever. In 40.com declared her a female songstress everyone would be wise to spend time with. Women of Substance Radio noted, Ashley's songs have an ethereal and delicate quality. She pens lyrics that are unsettling and sometimes even disturbing, as all good lyrics should be. Illinois entertainer trumpeted, Make no mistake, Ashley Riley has an utterly gorgeous voice and a sound all her own. Seven of the nine songs on her third album, All the Pretty Things, can be heard in rotation on Starbucks, in-store airplay. After the release of her last full album in 2017, entitled Through the Thin, Ashley returned to her solo songwriting roots. She reached out to James Treichler at Wave Upon Wave Studios in Champaign, Illinois, and headed into the studio in early 2019. Riley's new album, Set You Free, 
A 10-song collection is just hours away from release on June 18th. The music on the album has been favorably compared to Patty Griffin and Stevie Nicks. The album is filled with songs about holding on and letting go, giving in and giving up, and the peace that comes from making it out on the other side. She has been chipping away at Set You Free for the past two years. In the summer of 2020, she released the single Close to Me, a track that is on the new album. She premiered the song at American Songwriter, praising her work as an emotional indie sound. Prior to release, Close to Me also won the Midwest Music Expo listening panel in May of 2020. Set You Free, the second single from the album, premiered at Americana Highways, who liked the loping, intricate tale of endings and new beginnings with interweaving guitar work and lyrical release, and was released on March 26, 2021. The third single, Second Guessing, was released on April 23, 2021. The fourth single, Cut My Losses, was released on May 21, 2021. Ashley has said Trichler has been incredible to work with, especially considering that because of the pandemic, the process was remote, sending tracks back and forth to complete the songs. This is the first time in my career that I'm working with a producer on my record, and I think it's helped to serve the songs to their best potential. I'm really excited to share these new songs. It is my pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Ashley Riley. Hello, Ashley. Hi. It's really great to talk uh, with you. Yeah, it's great to talk with you, too. Yeah, I'm very happy that you uh, agreed to be on my show because I think you have uh, some great music of yours to talk about and and, uh, for us to learn more about you and your music making. So let's get right to talking about your new album, Set You Free, about to be released in merely hours on June 18th. And uh, in addition to listening to an advanced copy of Set You Free, I've also been listening a lot to what Spotify considers your top 10 most popular songs. So is this new album, here's my question. You had to know there was a question in there eventually. (laughs) Is the new album a departure from your earlier work or an extension of similar music expression that is your style? I think it's an extension of my musical style. Um, I think with each album that I get the chance to record, I'm able to dig a little bit deeper and kind of finesse my sound a little bit more. So I kind of just, I think I like to think of it as an extension. Okay. Um, but you also uh, used a producer for for this album. Yes. Uh, James uh, Trichler, I hope I'm inter- pronouncing that correctly. Yes. And how much, uh, how much of the sound on the new album was uh, because of his influence? Um, I give him a really good bit of credit there because um, 
course, I took all the songs and had um, had all the guitar parts and the vocals and the melodies pretty much how they are. Um, but he really helped me nail down um, the vibe for the songs as far as how we decorated them. And, and he kind of became my band in a way because he plays drums mainly, but also um, guitar and bass and, and keys. And so he contributed a lot in that way as well. So I would say he gets a lot of credit. Okay. But did he make any like uh, particular suggestions about how a song might go? I, you know, sometimes a question I, lo I love to ask singer-songwriters, were, were there any songs that you went into the studio with that came out completely different than what you went into with? Um, honestly, I think that Set You Free would probably be the biggest one that, okay. that had a, uh, a different vibe altogether than what I kind of went in with. And that one, um, that was one of the first songs that we went into and actually close to me as well. I think um, both of those songs, I was, I had like a really distinct strumming pattern that I was playing on both of those that um, could have been the focal point of the songs. And we kind of stripped that away. Okay. And I think in a way, um, definitely on close to me, I think that we let that song breathe a lot more and, um, and let the vocals kind of shine. And then on Set You Free, he actually had recommended um, Jason Roberts, a friend of his to play guitar, who actually um, has some really cool credits to his name. He, he plays a lot with Nora Jones. Oh, and so sure. we, I was like, yes, of course, <laughs> let's use him. And so we, I, you know, I hired him to play on that song and we just kind of let him do his thing. And so that song came back um, sounding incredible and right. it actually made me kind of up my game when I went back to listen to my vocals I'm like I need to step it up and I changed the chorus melody and and so that one definitely changed <laughs> from what I had so <laughs> you really hard. made a, a whole set would you say you changed the melody you actually changed the song I mean the the raw material yeah. after working with it mm-hmm Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, because of that, it was one of those songs where um, I really loved it, but then, you know, I wasn't sure about it after I got it back. And then I, I finally realized that, that my chorus melody didn't lift. It didn't, you know, it was, it stayed in a, in a lower register. And so then I, once I changed the melody and lifted the, lifted that and kind of let that soar, it, it all came together. I'm like, oh my gosh, this really feels like setting you free. Like it really feels the emotion of what I'm trying to say. And so that was a really good change. And and then I was like so inspired by that song and I'm like, I'm gonna name the album Set You Free. So I did. Yeah, well, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes musically lay people forget or they don't know or they don't understand the chemistry that exists when musicians get together and uh, and how we feed ideas off of each other and create something new and uh, uh, you know one of the things I, I used to always teach uh, when I when I taught full-time at the university was the idea that music is the most plastic 
of all the art forms. It's not like a sculpture or a painting, you know, that once it's done, it's done and it hangs or sits in a gallery. With music, it's changeable. It can be massaged and reformed and sometimes even in a live performance end up being done differently than it is in a recording studio. But just being surrounded by other musicians and their musical thinking uh, really helps morph things into a completely different product. It sounds like that worked that way for you as well uh, and inspired you to make the changes you made. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's really pretty cool. So the sound, the songs that, uh, and these various sounds that you created for the new album, um, are, are these some ideas that kind of been in the back of your mind for some time and just wanting to come out or was it necessarily inspired by some other contemporaneous events? Um, well, I, I wrote most of these songs from 2017 to actually 2020. So within the last couple of years. And what's funny is whenever I, whenever I first called James um, to work with him, I, I just was like, let's try a few demos. Um, the guy that I normally had recorded with moved to Nashville. And so I just was like, let's just see how this works. Um, and so I kind of went into all of these recordings just really open. Um, I love collaborating. I love creating and I, I do that a lot by myself, but then I do love bringing people into it as well. Um, and I had been listening, you know, I think the music that I was listening to at the time really influenced some of the sounds um, that I wanted to hear in my songs. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Aaron Ray no, I can't say that I am, but somebody she I need to learn a, about. Yeah, she has a beautiful album called Putting on Airs. And I kind of fell in love. That was like my album of, that's like one of the only albums I listened to in 2018, I think. And so I was really like, listen to this. You know, I told James, listen to that. And and he really fell in love with that too. And, um, and so I think I just was inspired by some of the music I was hearing. And then I just went in with like a really open mind about, you know, where we would end up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, you, you weren't like uh, hard and fixed on exactly what uh, you wanted. You just kind of came in with a, a skeletal framework or a germ of an idea. Let's, let's see where we can make this go. Yeah, yeah, like an idea. And sometimes I would bring like references for the songs like, you know, I like the way that this sounds maybe mixed with something like this, but of course, keeping it in its own style. Mm -hmm. And I, I think sometimes, <laughs> sometimes rather than knowing what I want, I like know what I don't want. And so, okay. you know what I mean? Sometimes that's sure. a little more, it's like, I don't know, I'm open, but I know that I don't want it to sound, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like. that you're, you're probably hard and fast, not wanting bagpipes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or maybe even accordion. I don't know. No, it's yeah. there's a, there's a bad joke in there somewhere. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't like with my own bands. Uh, I very often will bring in a, a new arrangement, and uh, and uh, I'm always open to what uh, other 
people in the band have say, hey, you know, I think this bass line might sound even better if I do this. And I say, okay, great, let's do it. And so then it becomes not my tune, but the band's tune. And, uh, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I just want to make good music. And I bet you're the same way. Yeah, I do think with these songs too, one thing that I did a lot more than I have in the past is I played with the tempo a lot. Um, just as I was writing them, I would, you know, play it slower. I would finger pick, I would strum, I would, you know, I would try different styles to really make sure that I felt like I was serving the song. And also I feel like I was just kind of um, educating myself in a way, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of taking the songs and learning what, they wanted what I wanted. And it was, I hadn't done that as much. Like normally I would write a song and I would really, really edit the lyrics rather than the music. And so I did take a little bit of a different approach when I was writing, focusing a little bit more on, you know, the vibe and the groove and, and trying to like up my game <laughs> myself. Well, you're, you're, uh, you know, a person who is open to possibilities. Um, you know, you're a divergent, like most creative people, you're a divergent thinker. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, uh, and, and the other thing is that you, uh, I'm putting my educator hat on for a moment, <laughs> you have a growth mindset, as opposed to a fixed mindset. And, uh, and I, of course, I'm biased, because that's the way I am too. So I would say, I think that's the way to be. Look at what's possible, not necessarily at what will or won't work, except in knowing what you don't want. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have to tell you about your new your album. I listened to it uh, a number of times. And uh, to my ear, and you certainly may correct me if I'm wrong. In fact, I'd like you to if I'm really off base. But to my ear, most of the songs on Set You Free follow a theme of healing. Healing, maybe particularly, but not necessarily after a bad relationship. Now, that's not an uncommon theme or occurrence in human life. And the ancient Greeks claimed the purpose of tragedy and drama was to serve as an emotional catharsis for those witnessing the drama. One could experience the emotional pain of what they were witnessing on stage without having to bear the actual pain of what was being viewed on stage. So is the aesthetic purpose of your songs to provide an emotional cleansing for your listeners or are you, as other songwriters have done, simply serving as an observer of human relationships and just making personal commentary? Um, you know, I, yes, I think you are definitely correct. <laughs> well, that makes me feel good. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, so I think a little bit of both. You know, I process a lot through songwriting and sometimes I even, um, Sometimes I, d I don't even realize until later, you know, the duality of some of my lyrics when I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, like I already knew this in my, in my song, but I didn't know it yet. Um, so I definitely, definitely am an observer of life. And I feel like, um, I feel like I can usually tell the intent with people. I feel like I, I'm a, I try to be, um, I, 
I can kind of read situations and see where people are coming from, or at least I, I try to understand where, where people are coming from in a way. Um, so I definitely do think that I write as an observer, but um, I will say Set You Free was a little bit more personal. And um, yeah, I do think that music is healing and powerful and can bring people together. And, and I do think it can kind of lends your emotions as you said so so both if okay sense. all right sure sure i mean i wasn't necessarily going after you know anything particularly personal but i was just curious about uh uh you know uh some of the inspiration because i did kind of recognize this common theme between a lot of the songs but who were your models for your vocal style and quality um well when I first started singing, like, well, I'm a girl with a guitar. And so I was definitely inspired by Jewel back in okay. the early part of my days. She was kind of like the gateway singer for me. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen her live or not, but she is like a vocal powerhouse that I don't, I didn't expect from listening to her albums. Um, okay. So then I kind of got into this, like, realm of just like listening to all of her live recordings I could get my hands on and I would you know kind of I've learned a lot from her vocal style really um, okay and then from there I kind of found out about Patty Griffin mm -hmm. and um, she became a major favorite and um, and then of course Brandy Carlisle as well I think oh. I kind of do that little swoopy yodely thing a lot <laughs> Sometimes I have to remind myself to, you don't always have to slide up to the notes, you know, just get it straight. So I think she's kind of been uh, seeped into my, into my pores a little bit. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, uh, uh, you know, to find who it is. I mean, I always throw this out. Uh, particularly to instrumentalists, simply because the quote was made by an instrumentalist by the name of uh, Clark Terry, who was a great jazz trumpet player and uh, flugelhorn player, originally from St. Louis, who uh, used to say that uh, first you imitate, then you innovate. Mm -hmm. And I think we all start somewhere with trying to emulate someone whose sound we like now, like you said about Jewel, there was something about her singing that got its hooks into you, and and then you wanted to, uh, you know, kind of feed on that some more, and and that is informed and and kind of stylized your own voice. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and 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 you take all those different influences, and then you th make something that is uniquely Ashley. You know, I think, I think that's uh, another beautiful thing about music is that uh, uh, I, I used to sometimes, I sometimes used to also use the metaphor of, uh, uh, you know, baking, uh, creating music is like, is like baking a cake. You may have a recipe, but you can deviate from the recipe and still come up with a really good tasting cake. So Mm -hmm. You know, those are kind of yeah. kind of neat things. Well, tell me a little bit about your creative uh, process. What inspires you when you write? Um, well, I I think I just 
let, I just kind of observe life like we were talking about earlier. And um, I'm usually writing about, you know, relationships when I when I really look at my what my writing is about. So I guess I'm inspired by that. Um, but normally when I do sit down to write, I um, I just kind of sit down with my guitar and maybe I'll even start with just like playing songs that I love, you know. And that usually will kind of lead me into just like wandering around the guitar or, you know, sometimes, sometimes I do have a melody that pops into my head and a lyric and, and, um, that's always fun. <laughs> so okay. then I'll, you know, try to kind of like expand on that. Um, it's like, I'll get like a verse, I'll get a verse and maybe a chorus, and then I really have to work for the rest of it. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So when I do start, when I write though, I usually, I get kind of um, really into it and I really try to step away from a song, but I usually finish it within like a day or two. And then I, I might, yeah, I might kind of come back to it and play with the melody and different, try different ideas with it mm -hmm. for the next couple of weeks. But usually I do the writing pretty quickly. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, uh, the great composer Claude Debussy used to say that composition is uh, like seeing a flash of lightning and then uh, replicating it as closely as you can. <laughs> I like you know, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, you talk about uh, a lyric and a, a melody kind of coming at once. Uh, have you ever written a song where you where you wrote the melody first and then found some lyrics to go with it? Yeah, I've done that okay. a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's everyone. I, every singer songwriter I've talked to is different. Uh, some, uh, some will, you know, uh, particularly those that started out in college as English lit majors <laughs> will always, <laughs> will always start with words because of course they went into English lit because they loved words. They love poetry and they, they, you know, uh, one particular songwriter I talked to down in Atlanta, she writes every day, uh, keeps like a journal, and she writes her ideas down, and, and then she goes back and uses those ideas uh, for her lyrics for her songs. Uh, others, it all just comes to or, organically all at once. I mean, the whole thing. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a question I was, I, it, that isn't on the list, and, and so if, if you don't feel like answering it, it's okay. But usually, where are you and what are you doing when you get an idea for a song? Um, <laughs> well, there's there's like two or three things that usually um, driving. Driving. Right? Okay, um, that's a common one. Yes, or walking. Okay, right? that's, yeah. And um, then the other thing would be like late at night um, when everything's quiet and I'm just kind of sitting by myself. I love to have quiet time and, and I'm kind of a night owl. And so sometimes just late at night, if I just have been able to like relax and, you know, maybe sit down with a glass of hot tea or something. Um, but, you know, with the driving and the writing, somebody, I just read something about people creativity coming with forward motion and there's something about driving and walking you're moving forward and I really am like oh my gosh that is so true so I really I hadn't thought much about that until I heard that quote and then I realized that I do that a lot 
you know, that's interesting because I, it, it, how many different singer songwriters and even a rap artist I interviewed uh, got their ideas while driving in the car. Yeah. And there's something about that motion. My personal one is when I'm in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'll get these ideas while I'm in the shower. But here's one for you to try. A singer-songwriter here in the Milwaukee area named Barb Steffen. She uh, she told me in the interview I did with her, she got her best ideas while vacuuming. Oh. So maybe okay. the back and forth, the forward yeah. back motion theory. There's yeah. something there with that. But that's that's interesting. Everyone has their own way of doing things. Um, so um, let's get to some of the actual songs on uh, on the the new uh, album. One of the songs that really stood out uh, to me was "We All Need Love," and um, not only because the song was a departure musically. Uh, because it primarily used piano accompaniment rather than guitars. And that caught my ear early is, oh, here's something really different from the other songs that I've been listening to so far. But the lyrics to me fit an image of a friend who is in emotional or mental health trouble rather than any image of necessarily a romantic relationship gone sour. Would you, would you comment about all we need, we all need love. Yeah, um, I love that song, and you are very perceptive <laughs> with what with what you're hearing. Um, so, yeah, that song I actually wrote when I was down in Nashville. I was at a friend's house, and she is an amazing piano player. And so she had ran to the store, and I had her grand piano at my disposal. And so I sat down, and I kind of came up with the little, um, with the intro that you hear. Oh, okay. Um, and so, you know, I started playing that and, and actually it was a completely different song, uh, totally different lyrics at that time until I brought it home and I just kept playing it. And, um, and then I did start thinking about a friend of mine and, and then I ended up writing, we all need love. And, um, yeah, I think that that is definitely true. We all need love. And, um, you know, sometimes people, there's been a lot going on mentally for people. The last year has been exhausting. And um, and sometimes, you know, you want to help people, but they really just need space. And, you know, so it's, I think you kind of just have to um, meet people where they are in a way. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um I don't know. I think I just needed to get that song out because I was processing like how, how everyone around me might've been feeling or how I was perceiving they were feeling. So if that makes sense. Well, it does. I, but I mean, I'm also just curious, you know, the, the that you used piano was almost uh, a product of happenstance rather than a purposeful choice. Because you were there at your friend's uh, house, they had the piano, you sat down and you wrote the song for the piano instead of writing it from the guitar and so forth. Yet the end product from the standpoint of a listener was that, wow, this really makes something different about the song. Because mm -hmm. many of your other songs are more guitar oriented. 
And this one was really different to me. That's, uh, uh, I guess, why I'm asking about it at first. So, um, but a great song. I think Thank the you. lyrics, the lyrics, very touching, very, very meaningful. And, and uh, uh, likewise, your song Close to Me has uh, been praised uh, for, its, for its excellence. Um, and the lyrics seem to paint a picture of someone going through some very conflicting emotional states regarding a significant, a significant other and the status of their relationship. Could you uh, uh, agree or disagree or at least comment about of my perceptions of <laughs> yes. close to me? <laughs> yes, agree. I agree. Uh, that song is, I guess, a little bit about a passive aggressive relationship. Okay. And, um, you know, I think that everyone can relate on some level where it's like, to me, a lot of the song is about, um, it's like you want some, you want the person there, but you don't want to let them all the way in or, you know, or you feel like, or like maybe you feel like they're halfway in. So you're not all the way, you know, just that kind of, uh, that uncertainty when it's just a confusing relationship. Um, but that was the first song that I wrote for this album, uh, Set You Free. And, and I will say it did feel different when I wrote it than a lot of my other songs. It felt like it was a little bit more of a pop song. And, um, and so that was the first song that I took to James to record. And um, yeah, I just remember playing that song out for the first couple of times and like, and people would just uh, kind of like look up, you know, if I, like at a at a bar restaurant you know playing and they would just start paying a little bit more attention i'm like hmm, you know something about this song seems to be uh connecting with people so that's the first one that i wanted to take and demo and um yeah well i think what connects i i, I mean if i just my humble opinion <laughs> is that it is different i mean it's not your typical uh you know i'm crying in my beer over you kind of song because that's not really what it's about, at least yeah. from what I gather, yeah. and uh, and and I and I uh, on a personal note, I think I could I I could relate to this very much. It's like I tell my wife, it took me a while to really convince myself that I was in love with her, and this is before I asked her to marry me. Mm -hmm. I said, and part of that was because it took me a while to convince myself that somebody could love me. And so, you know, because I had that self-doubt, I had those that barrier up to letting her all the way in and letting myself go and letting myself love her. Yeah. And a lot of that's what came across to me in the song and how and why it meant something to me personally. Thank so uh, hearing that. yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the hardest parts of a of a real relationship is letting, you know, letting people in and trusting that they're gonna love you. <laughs> so that, well, you know. But I would suggest that's also what's drawing people's attention to it. Yeah. And because it is different and it's, uh, and, and your lyrics are meaningful and have some depth of uh, thought to them that, that uh, really get to the heart. I, and I mean, emotionally, yeah. uh, uh, but in a different way. Well, so I, nothing else. I'm just offering you praise because I think it's well, a wonderful you. song. I'll take it. I appreciate um, it. <laughs> 
you know, I happened to read an article the other day when I was working on uh, the interview questions for our interview that talked about four types of everyday courage. And it said there's moral courage, there is disciplined courage, there's intellectual courage, there's empathetic courage. And courage is often defined as moving ahead despite what you might feel is possibly, what you fear you might feel is possibly coming your way, your way. Now, with that in mind, I find the basic theme of your song starting over as a song about courage. What especially comes to my mind in the song is one reflecting on how challenging and frightening change may be, but nonetheless persevering for one's own good. Would you comment, please? Um, <clears throat> yes, <laughs> I totally agree. Um, you're like, I, I've said this before, but yeah, you are definitely like honing in on exactly what I mean <laughs> in these songs. And I think that's amazing. I love it. Well, good. Um, yeah, so starting over, is definitely about courage because um, when I wrote that song, I was, you know, making a change in my life. I, um, so when I'm not busy with music, I also make a living as a hairstylist. Um, okay. So, so, you know, I um, have been doing that for a while. And at one point in time, I ended up buying the salon that I worked at. And uh, it was, you know, it was for sale and it was like, Hey, I'm really organized and, you know, I think I could, I think I could run this business. And so I bought the salon and I owned it and managed it for about six years. And I, I started to realize like, I don't like this, <laughs> you know, like uh, it's taking away from my time for my music and it's just not what I want to do. It's not the part of the job that I like. I like connecting with people. I like making people feel good about themselves, which is probably why I like writing songs and music and all of that, you know, just the the connection with people. And so, you know, then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to sell this, uh, this very successful business because I just don't want it, <laughs> you know? And so in a way, um, gosh, that was a scary decision to make. And it felt like, it felt like the chorus. It felt like I was giving in, felt like I was giving up, making a mistake. But at the end of the day, I had to do that. You know, it just wasn't right for me. And so, that is really what that song is about. But um, I definitely remember a conversation with one of my clients because I still also kept working behind the mm -hmm. chair. And one of my clients said, man, you know, like, I am so proud of you. That is so cool that you did this and that you knew what you wanted because most people just won't do that. They'll just stay doing something because that's what everyone expects. And I hadn't thought of it that way. And so that just meant so much to me. And she said, she also said, you know, I'm going to go back to school and get my doctorate. And you really inspired me because, you know, I didn't know if I should do that. And so then I was like, I have to write this. I have to put this song out because I, I had kind of just sang it to myself, you know, it was mm -hmm. just like for me. But then I realized, no, I think other people could use this little message. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think there are a lot of people who are suffering because of the fear of change, mm -hmm. even though the change would probably be better for them. Yeah, for sure. I, just to share a personal story, I remember when I accepted my 
teaching position at the University of Wisconsin in Waukesha. At the time, I was living in Texas, and I'd lived in Texas for 15 years, and I really didn't want to leave Texas, because even though I'm not originally from Texas, I'm from Idaho, I had grown to love Texas, and I had, you know, had friends there, and I was really nervous about making this change and going somewhere where I knew absolutely no one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anyone except for the associate dean and the dean of the campus who had hired me. And yet, in the long run, it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life. And so I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of uh, facing those kinds of things and, and uh, having the courage to do so. So, and that you did that, you know, musically lay people. Do you know why they think we're in the music business? No. To make to make easy money. Right. Don't you think that's true that, oh, you know, you make it look so easy and people actually pay you to do that, you know? Or, of course, you know how many times you get asked to play somewhere and you say, well, uh, uh, so what's your budget for music? Well, we thought maybe you'd like to just do it for the exposure. Well, thank you very You've heard that one, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, or the ex- or the experience, and as I have to say, well, exposure and experience don't pay the rent, but thank you very much. So you know, but the real thing I'm getting at is, we musicians, we know that music connects. It connects with us. It connects our hearts, our minds, but it also helps us connect with other people, and that you inspired that other woman to have the courage is an awesome story. And that you can do that, make that connection with uh, your music is is also great. Well, I I don't know if all those little sounds are coming across or not, but my computer's freaking out about something. Oh, I'm not hearing it. Oh, well, that's good. That's a good sign. (laughs) It it just kind of comes and goes, so I don't know what it is. But anyway, uh, all right, well, your song setting you free to move on to the next one sounds to me more like setting oneself free. Uh, in other words, being independent from needing someone else and perhaps making a statement that I'm going the way I'm going to go with or without you. Yeah. Am I, is that a pretty accurate assessment? Yes. Yes. Oh. Again, it is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I'm feeling so good that I got the message. That's great. Um, yeah, that song definitely is. And that um, that's kind of why I wanted it at the end of the album, too, because I do feel like the album Set You Free is kind of a journey of getting to that point, mm-hmm. of, um, you know, being able to set yourself free. And and it is kind of like, OK, yes, I'm going without you. And um, yeah. I'm going with or without you. And, and you think that you're setting someone else free, but really in the end, it is you, you know, Mm -hmm. when you, when you come to that realization. So definitely correct. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like this quote that I read uh, about aging, Uh, you know, uh, let's see, you know, that you've attained a certain age when you don't really care whether uh, anyone else thinks you're cool, you know, 
You don't worry anymore about whether anybody else thinks you're cool. You just are who you are and you are what you are. And, and you know, yes. heck of that. Well, the last song I want to talk about is uh, your song, uh, Cut My Losses. Now, this is a song, believe it or not, that I probably have listened to more times than any of the others on the, on the recording. Uh, there, because there's two things that really stand out for me in the song, and and I and I, I mean stand out, and that are outstanding about the song. Okay, uh, the first is that the the theme of the song is about sticking with the significant other. Okay, your significant other, yet getting out of the current life rut that you find yourself in. In other words, we're gonna, we're both getting out of this. You know, I'm sticking with you and I want you with me, but we gotta, you know. Secondly, the real hook of the song is in that chorus when you, the excellent way that you do that simple, ooh, anywhere. And the musical aspect of it that was highlighted for me is the the O, the automopoetic or syllabic or vowel sound is melodic in almost a dreamy sort of way. And the word anywhere is relatively more monotone. It's as if to say anywhere is better than here. But the O or the U, O is like being more dreamy or thinking, you know, like of exotic places, but then anywhere can be better than here. Um, so my question is, is that you on both parts of the chorus? And was it recorded all as, as one or two parts dubbed together? Or is that a secret that stays in the studio? Um, no, I will definitely tell you that was all me. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> That's me. And, um, you know, I pretty sure that I recorded the ooh and the anywhere in one take, but I did go back and like double and triple the ooh um, and harmonize with it. I think there's a higher and a lower part. I really definitely was trying to get that dreamy vibe there. So, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't, you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, well, that's because I listened yeah. to your music with a discerning yeah, ear. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that actually, that was the last song that I wrote for Set You Free. And I knew, I was like, this is it and it will be done. It was a little bit harder to find um, the vibe, I think, for this one, just because it, it was a little bit different than some of the other ones. Um, and actually, I ended up playing electric guitar instead of acoustic, which um, it's my first, my first time ever playing electric on any of my recordings, which was kind of fun. Um, so that was a fun, yeah, that was a fun challenge. And, um, and then it was, I think, yeah, James, he just was kind of like, I don't know, how are we going to get this one to like go with the other songs, you know? because when we recorded, it was like, we would work on two songs at a time and then we'd do the next two. And then anyway, the way that it was, we had probably just got done working on like all fall down or, or something. He's like, how does this go with that? Um, but then he actually added a little banjo part in there. And that oh. for me, I was like, this is amazing. I love it. It, it just kind of brought it. I don't know. I think it brought my style 
back in a little bit more with that banjo part and um, sure well it 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 uh it added it, it added maybe uh you know a little bit more of a country flavor to it yeah you know yeah. So anyway, but I, I really loved that song. I mean, and that, so that little chorus is just to me, I can still hear it in my head. It, it is definitely the hook of the song. Thank you. I, that's yeah. what I was hoping for. It's really funny um, because, well, you said you've been to Decatur. <laughs> yeah. Um, so everyone here is like, oh, there's nothing to do here. You know, that's just kind of like what everybody says. And so I did release this one as a single and just kind of to be funny, I put a picture of me with the Decatur city skyline in the background <laughs> <laughs> just because i was like you know um i just thought that would be kind of tongue-in-cheek and people that live here <laughs> or know of decatur would get it um because it's the factory town sure <laughs> so it's, sure. it's me in front of a bunch of smokestacks really yeah um so yeah i that song was really fun and i'm glad you like it so much because i yeah. do <laughs> Yeah, it was a wonderful song. Uh, well, anyway, speaking of Decatur, talk a little bit about the music scene in your neck of the woods prior to um, COVID-19. Yes. What, uh, what are some of the typical venues you'd perform or places you've toured? Well, in town, there's a couple places that I like to play. Um, there's Donnie's Pizza, which is, uh, they really support original music, which I love. And we just got um, two breweries in town microbreweries and so those are good places um but a lot of times i kind of consider myself a little bit more of like a weekend warrior where i will travel you know and play in the surrounding areas the great thing about decatur has a small small original music scene that's very nice and welcoming everyone's really friendly and supportive of each other um but i we're also located between like Bloomington, Peoria, Chicago, St. Louis, um, Springfield. We're, we're really in good location to get to a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. and so I would travel and play a lot of wineries and, um, you know, like I think the brewery types and I love to play house concerts and a little bit more intimate, um, you know, concert style mm -hmm. venues than, uh, than a rowdy bar <laughs> but i also sure. you know i play i play solo acoustic i play with a band and just kind of whatever the situation calls for um okay. i think that live music is starting to you know things are starting to open up here and i'm hoping that we'll, we'll get back rolling soon. well i i like to keep reminding myself and remind the people that i play with because uh I play, I haven't played a gig or even had a rehearsal since March 13th of 2020. And actually the first, my first gig is going to be on Memorial Day. I agreed to play for the Memorial Day uh, services that they have here in Waukesha. And uh, that's my first gig. But I like to remind people that the Renaissance uh, happened after the end of the Hundred Years' War and the great plagues of Europe in the 14th century that wiped out a third of the population. We also had, at the end of World War I and the end of the Spanish flu epidemic, the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. 
And so I keep thinking that we are going to see a renaissance of roaring proportions once things are completely safe to get out and tour and play in public again. And I know I'm looking forward to it because I miss uh, making music with other people. And, and, uh, you know, I like practicing, but I'm getting tired of my metronome and my tuner as being my audience. So, so I, I, I'm happy to hear that. I would encourage you to, uh, you know, have, uh, have your representation consider, uh, there's a, a wonderful venue in Milwaukee, uh, called Shank Hall, um, and uh, another singer-songwriter from Minneapolis that I interviewed uh, a couple, three weeks ago. His name's Dan Rodriguez. He's going to be performing at Shank Hall in September. And then also, you may be aware of a festival that we have called Summerfest. It's uh, usually in the summer, but it's the largest outdoor music festival in the world. And it draws millions of you know people, and uh, of course with COVID they canceled it last year, and this year they're not having it until September. They're going to have it on three consecutive weekends. But normally it's usually it usually runs the last week of uh, June through Fourth of July. It runs for like 10, 11 days, something like that, and they'll book some you know they book really big name people. They book uh, lesser name. I mean, they have uh, different stages for different styles and different things. It's really, and then uh, uh, so there's there's a lot of great opportunities up here just north of the border that uh, I think would you know fit well. Uh, there's also a big country music uh, festival. Let's see, it's called Country Thunder. Um, can't remember if that's in Green Bay or where exactly, but it's somewhere up in the northern part of the state. And uh, so anyway, just things yeah, to kind of think nice. about. Uh, anyway, speaking of uh, performing, what have been some of your most memorable musical experiences? Um, let's see. Well, um, you know, one thing that was really, really uh, memorable, well, two things. Both of them happened in Nashville. <laughs> I, um, when I released an album called Through the Thin in 2016, I just kind of offhandedly submitted it into the, um, into this, the Women's International Music Network. Um, uh-huh. They were having a showcase down in Nashville during the NAM uh, conference. And um, anyway, they chose me to come down and play at the listening room for part of their showcase. And um, that was a very cool experience because I got to um, meet really cool people and play to like a packed house in Nashville at one of like a really cool listening room. So that was really, really fun. Um, That was really memorable. And uh, then another time, um, like I, I had mentioned earlier, the guy that I normally would record with um, he moved down to Nashville and works at the Blackbird studio. And so okay. my band and I went down and spent a week um, recording with the students at the Blackbird Academy. They have a recording program where they teach, you know, audio engineering. And so 
we went down and got to record at, you know, this legendary studio with some of the best gear available. And, um, and that was just really fun. And at one point, Stevie Nicks was in the next room and, oh. and Keith Urban, we were in one studio and they were like, oh, you can't be in that one today. Keith Urban needs it. You know, just kind of like funny stuff like that where you're sure. like, really? This only happens in Nashville. <laughs> So that was, those were really memorable and really fun. Cool it is, it is kind of exciting when you know you're breathing the same air as yeah. someone famous. Exactly. Yeah. Well, aside from recording the new album, how have you been keeping uh, mentally and musically active since most live music's been shut down during the pandemic? Well, um, yeah, the recording took up a lot of time. Uh, but I was doing a lot of live streaming in the beginning. You know, I think like a lot of musicians were hopping on Facebook and Instagram and going live and, and just playing a lot of songs and just trying to, I think, take people's minds off of the whole pandemic at first. And um, so that, that was fun. That was a cool experience. That was like, you know, a moment in time. <laughs> it's like, I think live streaming is here to stay, but I think, uh, think that at the beginning you know every time you got on Facebook like there were so many people performing and playing and it was kind of funny um other than that I really just took the time to slow down and spend time with my family and you know I slept more I went to bed earlier and watched mm -hmm. uh watched some Netflix <laughs> yeah so I don't know how active I've been keeping um but yeah I've just been trying to just keep going with the music, you know, in a yeah. year, in a year where you couldn't get out and perform, just trying to keep pushing forward and not, uh, not get discouraged. Well, there's one thing too, there's nothing wrong with resting and recharging mm -hmm. because yeah. you've got to do that too. Well, but speaking of which, uh, which are you writing, currently writing any new songs? Well, um, actually, I, I'm attending a, a virtual songwriting conference this weekend. So, um, I hope to be writing some new songs, but I had kind of taken a break after finishing this album. Sure, and, that's uh, understandable. Yeah, I kind of think my next project, though, I'm always like, okay, next, okay, next. But, sure. Um, I kind of think I might do a cover album. I've always wanted to do that. And so I might, I might consider a cover album, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, let me ask you, since, since you're talking about covers, uh, this wasn't, again, in the original questions I sent you. So if you don't want to answer it, that's okay. But uh, uh, speaking of covers, what draws you to a song to want to record it um, or perform it? It's just like a song that I love. I am one of those people, it sounds like you might be too, where you, I just repeat, listen to certain songs. I just like mm -hmm. have it on repeat for a while and um I don't know. I think sometimes, yeah, just a song that I can't get out of my head. I just actually put out a a cover of Counting Crows along December, and that song just really resonated with me mm -hmm. over the past year. Um, I just kind of took on a different meaning, and so I released that. And I, I think sometimes I don't play a lot of cover songs, but I do like to record covers. Um, I think that you can you can bring in a new audience when you do covers, though, sometimes. Because, you know, songs that speak to people, 
that normally maybe they wouldn't hear you, but they like this song and so they hear your version. It's, you know, it's kind of a good way to also find new. So uh, here, I'm going to follow up with another question. So would you cover somebody else's song? Do you feel an obligation to perform it in such a way that it is similar to the way the original, or do you go the other direction and try to make it completely your own by doing it strictly your way? I try to make it my own, um, but I don't take, it's definitely still recognizable though. I mean, okay. I think things like the melody, but instead of like, I might like take a note up and make it soar a little bit more. Um, I kind of play with the melody, but keep it pretty original. But a lot of times <laughs> what I do is uh, sad cover songs. I like to make them kind of slow and moody and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> make so, them sadder. <laughs> I do, yeah. It's like, let's just cry. <laughs> make a bad situation worse. Yeah. Yes. There you go. That's the spirit. Well, yeah. good. Do you, uh, do you often keep a sketchbook? of ideas uh either lyrical ideas or melodic ideas or vamps or other musical ideas that then you draw upon uh to, later to write a song yeah i do um i definitely have notebooks all over <laughs> my house but lately i've kind of been going a little bit more digital, I have a lot of notes on my phone, like in the notepad thing. And mm -hmm. I definitely use the voice memos a lot where I'll just, that's like, if I'm, you know, walking, I've, you know, I kind of record a melody that comes with some lyrics. I definitely have a lot of weird voice memos. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Yeah. So well, you're, you're in a very familiar camp. I have a number of of uh, singer songwriters I've talked to that use the same the, the voice memo thing on the phone, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just easier to sing a particular melody or say a particular lyrical idea or whatnot. Of course, especially if you're driving, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't exactly. be shouldn't be yeah. writing on on uh, on uh, manuscript paper while you're driving. Yeah. So, uh, are you? Uh, what are you doing to gear up for when COVID recedes enough to get out and play live? Are you, uh, are you planning any tours or other dates? Uh, what's in the future for moving forward for, for Ashley Riley? Um, well, right now I am just kind of getting my live show back up and running. It's funny because normally I would have performed all of these songs out, you know, and kind of road tested them. And I haven't had the opportunity to do that. So it's, I'm excited to play all of these new songs live. And um, I am doing a live stream um, the night before, or I'm doing a live stream on June 17th with theboot.com to uh, kind of celebrate the album. And I'm kind of just kind of dipping my toe back in the water. Uh, I just scheduled to play at a, a music festival in Effingham, Illinois. Oh, um, sure. I've September. been there. Um, mm -hmm. It's called Summer Sundown. And um, yeah, so I'm starting to get out and, and book dates and but I'll probably throw in a few live streams too, just for people that are, you know, still sitting tight a little bit longer. And yeah, well, you know, and, and, and for my listeners, uh, you know, uh, the 
show that you're listening to. This is uh, on the 15th and uh, Ashley's live stream is on the 17th. And then her new album comes out on the 18th. So just days from when you hear this <laughs> is for you to catch Ashley's live stream. And of course, her new new recording. Ashley, is there anything else you'd like to add or tell my audience that I haven't asked you about? Um, well, thank you, one, for having me. And thanks for tuning in. Um, you can definitely go to my website and find... Um, find all of my social feeds and, you know, wherever you like to connect. I'd love, love it. If you say hi, I'm actually the most active on Instagram for some reason. Uh, so, so yeah, you can find me at ashleyreilly.com and say hello. Wonderful. Well, I actually, just so you know, I do include uh, in my show notes that uh, all of your, uh, your, uh, web pages, your Facebook page. Uh, I probably included a couple of uh, performances of you on YouTube. Uh, these links are all in my show notes. My show notes I make available on my Facebook page uh, for the musical universe of Professor Hurst. And, uh, and then uh, my listeners can access those uh, notes and then link to your, your pages. So listeners, make sure you're as always, you're aware of those links and learn more about Ashley Riley. Ashley, thank you for taking time to talk with me today. I very yes, much appreciate so much. it. And yeah. I want to wish you all the best with what I'm sure will be a continued successful musical future. And we'll be watching and listening for you. Thank you so much. You bet. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Mm -hmm. And we're clear. Awesome. Very nice. That went very well, I thought. Good, and uh, I didn't ramble too much. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I think, uh, I think you rambled just right. And that's okay. the style I like. I don't, I don't, I, I want, uh, I, I want, I want people to talk and to feel like they're comfortable to talk. And, uh, cause I enjoy uh, listening and talking to people and, and, uh, knowing more about uh, your music making and about you. So very good. Now, uh, what'll happen is um, it might take me two or three days, but I'll probably have some minor editing to do like the sound check I do at the beginning. I'll cut that off of that. And then I'll send an MP3 of today's interview to Krista and she'll forward it to you so that you can hear the interview uh, before it goes public. And then on the day that uh, the show goes public, which is uh, the, the 15th. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, good timing, right? With the, yeah, well, I kind of picked it for that reason. When, when uh, Krista first contacted me, I says, well, what the heck? Let's, uh, let's schedule Ashley for right before her album release and help uh, promote it. So, yeah, but anyway, the show will go public on the 15th of June. I will send Krista the links, which she'll then forward to you and you can uh, uh, then hear it. If you want to hear any of my other podcasts, just to get an idea of what's coming, I'm on Anchor, uh, okay. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, usually if you just... Uh, put in uh, musical universe 
or Professor Hurst. You don't even have to put okay. the whole thing in. It'll come to me. That's kind of the uniqueness of stuff. It should yeah. come up. And I, uh, I appreciate you catching the one error that I had uh, in labeling. Well, I, I'll be real honest with you. When I create show notes, I don't reinvent the wheel. I usually take one I've already done and, uh, and then kind of change things. And the one I had used when I did yours was for a singer-songwriter named Hope Dunbar. And her, she's from Utica, Nebraska. And the okay. one video yeah. that that got left over or the text that got left over was from one of her videos that she'd done on Nebraska, a Nebraska public TV show. But anyway, I fixed it once uh, once it was called to my attention. So we're all good to go on the on the most recent copy of the show notes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the um the suggestions for places up in Wisconsin. Yeah, because I think I think you would fit really well at uh, like Shank Hall. There's also another place I can I can mention is Collectivo Coffee. Okay. Uh, they have it's a, of course it's coffee, but they have a big back room, and uh, I've only gone there once, but it was to see the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. Oh, so, wow. so it's it's probably a, a room that's about. Oh, I'll bet it probably it might seat a hundred people. So okay. it's not a huge yeah. venue, but it's a, a you know a good size venue. Same way with Shank Hall, it's not real huge either. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's some other you know Milwaukee's really a a, mu a very musically active town. And, uh, and you're only a couple hours away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so, uh, you know, I think it'd be worth, uh, worth it for your, your management to, you know, investigate these opportunities for you, because I think your songs and your sound would, would fit right in. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Plus it'd give me a chance to come see you live. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, listen, you have a great rest of your day. And thank you again so much for your help. I appreciate it. You betcha. Bye. All right. Take care, Ashley. My discovery composer of the week is Fabrizio Fontana, born in 1620, died in 1695 an Italian organist who seems to have spent his working life in Rome. By the mid-1650s, he was a member of the Congregazioni di San Cecilia. He became organist of San Maria in Velicella and continued to hold this post while acting as Alessandro Constantini's substitute at St. Peter's. After Costantini's death, he was appointed organist at St. Peter's. In August of 1691, he retired from St. Peter's and received a pension. Despite failing eyesight, he became organist of San Maria del Anima in 1692, a post he held until his death. As a composer, he is known for keyboard music. The 12 pieces in his Risicari for organ are modeled 
on Frescobaldi's fantasy of 1608 and show the same academic interest in contrapuntal problems. They are deliberately written in a stila antico e grave and with Batiferi's Ricercare are the last Italian keyboard pieces in this conservative style. The All Music Guide lists a paucity of three recordings of Fabrizio Fontana's music. In my show notes is a YouTube link to a performance of Fabrizio Fontana's Risercare for organ, performed by Simone Stella. That wraps episode number 34. My show notes, along with links to artists' websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances, are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Next week, I will be interviewing singer-songwriter Sarah Nimitz, who, at still a young age, has starred on the Broadway stage, done network television with the show Glee, done films, musical theater, and sung with postmodern jukebox. We will be talking about her new single, Good Times Three, as well as her wonderful live album, 2020. Other upcoming interviews include Brown University professor and rapper Malik Boykin, New York big band leader Darcy James Argu, Vancouver, British Columbia-based blues singer and harmonica player Harpdog Brown, and a very busy lady here in southeastern Wisconsin working the administrative and organizational side of symphony orchestras, Ashley Relowinski. So don't touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So, until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.